This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Terry's Dew's Knife and Sword Emporium studio in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We told you we would be back next year. Here we are. The year has changed. It's 2020. Totally different. Things are totally different. If you are in Illinois, things are totally different because you can now buy legal weed. Congratulations. The state became the 11th in the country to legalize marijuana. I'm not sure what the regulatory framework there is, if it's going to be silly like it is here in D.C. Welcome to the party, Illinois, Chicago. What's up? I think it is... um, not as screwy as it is here in D.C. Because, I mean, people were lining up around the block. And uh, here, it's still a little bit of a gray area. The weed stores still get raided every now and again, it seems. And uh, we, we, are, we are in a total gray area. Yeah, Illinois, not so much. Well, good job, Illinois. Some, some good news to bring in the new year. Of course, 2020 also brings with it news that we are still living in a hell world. I saw this headline. Eddie Gallagher, the uh, the war criminal who Trump let off the hook. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He's starting his own clothing line. This guy thinks uh, he can use his newfound or uh, ill-gotten, gotten, thank you, ill-gotten fame or notoriety to launch a fucking clothing line, a lifestyle brand. He's calling it Salty Frog Gear, even though there's already a Salty Dog gear that exists. Salty Dog. He's stealing that for Salty Frog, which is really the least offensive thing in this headline about a war criminal launching a clothing line. Only here in the U.S. can you succeed like that. War criminals can achieve the American dream as well. I saw a great tweet from Wyatt Privilege saying that he hoped that Eddie Gallagher gets Chris Kyled. <laughs> and uh, he he specifically said on Christmas. So I said the same thing on New Year's Eve. But quite frankly, any day is a good day for Eddie Gallagher to get Chris Kyled. <laughs> yeah. Say it on our <laughs> podcast. It uh, isn't a, a Twitter account that can get nuked. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not encouraging any one individual to do it. I'm just saying if it happened, I would be laughing my fucking ass off. Yeah, same. Let's talk about the Democratic primary. There's some fundraising. First off, Julian Castro out, drops out today. (laughs) He, He tried. He did the Kamala Harris thing. He tried being too many things to too many different people. And you can't fucking go around uh, trying to win over the activist left wing part of the party and then say things like, actually, it's good that the U.S. embassy is now in Jerusalem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was good that he did shit on Joe Biden once or twice. He tried to he tried to do a Tulsi what Tulsi did on (laughs) on Kamala, although I'm not sure Tulsi really did that to Kamala. Kamala's just entire career did that to herself. Yeah. The main man, Bernie Sanders, raised $34 million in the fourth quarter. That's the most of any candidate anywhere, any time in a quarter. Um, Mayor Pete, 
He raised $24.7 million, which is a lot of fucking money. Uh, It would be a huge number. I mean, it's a huge number. It would be a really huge number any other year in which Bernie Sanders isn't running. Andrew Yang, an impressive $16 million. I think his previous high in a quarter was like $8 million. So he's pretty much doubled that in one quarter. There's some Yang momentum happening here. No word yet from uh, Elizabeth Warren, who has put up pretty impressive quarterly fundraising totals, but her campaign has seemingly hit a wall in the fourth quarter here. I'm expecting declining numbers there. Maybe that's why uh, we haven't heard her campaign report yet. People just realize she's Bernie Light, and why why go for Bernie Light when you can have Bernie classic. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both where there are people who realize that she's Bernie Light, so just go for Bernie. And there are people who realize she's Bernie Light, which is a little too close to Bernie, (laughs) and are going back to Mayor Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden or whoever. Yeah, it's a shame Mayor Pete's going to have this uh, huge cash on hand. He's going to be around forever. I guess it's not as big of a deal because... Mayor Bloomberg can basically just self-fund ads attacking Bernie. So either way, they're going to be dipshits uh, with a lot of money attacking Bernie long into the race. Yeah. They're, uh, it's, it is really going to be interesting to see, to go through the disclosures and see who gave to Mayor Pete after the debate when he specifically used the debate stage to try to solicit donations from rich people. Oh, I'm sure he people. got a lot. I'm sure he got a lot, just judging by the response in the op-ed pages defending rich people and defending Pete Buttigieg's fundraising strategy post-debate. No, I, I'm just saying that's the fun thing with the FEC disclosures is you can see the exact day <laughs> when, and, and who and whatever and how much money they give and and their past givings. I'm sure a lot of Republicans probably gave to Buttigieg when he was like, actually, the wine cave rules, and you can give me rich people, just throw your fucking money at me. Yeah, a lot of celebrities on Twitter made their intentions known too, defending Pete. Jane Lynch. Yeah, Jane Lynch is what I'm thinking of. (laughs) I think the most intriguing, excuse me, the most intriguing tidbits are going to be in those Yang numbers. Those are 16 million for Yang, really? There are going to be some really, truly bizarre, rich weirdos. Yang's so. in it till at least Super Tuesday. Yang is making a campaign. He's going to be in it till Super Tuesday. How much of that is like cryptocurrency money? <laughs> I wonder. That How gave, much gave Yang. Uh, is Yang's campaign fueled on the crypto bubble? <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> no word from Joe Biden on his fundraising numbers either. In fact, Yang's $16 million was more than one of the quarters that Joe Biden had previously reported. That'd be pretty embarrassing for Biden if he if that would be if Yang outraised him. Maybe maybe that would cause him to uh, st- to quit the race if nothing else will. But obviously it won't. Hey, we've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month. You get access to all the bonus content we put out. We're gonna get back into the regular newscasts again starting next week, plus some bonus interviews. Uh, so five bucks a month, you'll get access to everything there. You'll also get your own haiku written for you and read on one of our shows. And you get access to our Friday subscriber-only show that features the garbage can. Tomorrow's show, we've got a few uh, pieces of leftover trash from last year that we have to do one final cleanup with. So uh, that should be a fun show 
uh, for subscribers tomorrow. Sign up, patreon.com slash district sentinel. It's Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. Just two stories for you today as we, along with everyone else out there in the biz, eases back into things. I'm sure they'll kick back up next week. The Pentagon is sending more troops to Iraq in response to the recent siege at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. Good thing I just invested in flag-draped coffin stock, symbol USDOA on the S&P 500. Shia militants withdrew their protests yesterday, but not before provoking a reaction. The U.S. military is dispatching 750 more soldiers to Iraq and said, quote, additional forces from the immediate response force are prepared to deploy over the next several days. Attacks on the U.S. embassy came in response to U.S. airstrikes that killed 25 members of Kataib Hezbollah, a member of the anti-Islamic state coalition, which Washington decries as an Iranian proxy. The Trump administration justified the 25 killings by claiming Kataib Hezbollah was responsible for a rocket attack that killed a single American contractor. A spokesperson for the group claimed victory while protesters were withdrawing from the embassy. Mohammed Mohi told the AP, quote, We don't care about these planes that are flying over the heads of the picketers. Neither do we care about the news that America will bring Marines. King. Mohi said the reaction from Trump, quote, shows a psychological defeat and a big mental breakdown that the American administration is suffering from. Kataib Hezbollah can also claim credit for ruining the schedule of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Spokesperson for Pompeo said he was forced to delay travel because of the embassy siege to Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and Cyprus. You might recall that the U.S. embassy in Baghdad was built. It was created to be a fixture in a permanent occupation, or at least an attempt to seemingly create a permanent occupation. In February 2018, Public Radio International noted the billion-dollar embassy, quote, covers more than 100 acres of prime real estate in downtown Baghdad. The Vatican, it noted, meanwhile, covers 108 acres. Wow. If that's not a metaphor, nothing is. Hopefully the U.S. empire won't last as long as the Catholic Church has. I mean, is anyone who isn't a fucking bootlicking Republican chud, does anyone care about, you know, Iran ties or Iran this in Iraq? Iran is right next to Iraq. No one, no one else but Republican bootlickers give a shit about Iranian backgroups doing anything. So uh, I don't think the public will support any escalation the Trump administration is doing here. Kataib Hezbollah making a run for this week's honor camp. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but seriously, the uh, all the all the young protesters who stormed the embassy making a run for the honor camp this week. They, for they sure. sure fucking and are. They're probably going to get it. They sure fucking are. Finally, cigarette manufacturers have reported declining sales for the fifteenth year in a row. According to the Federal Trade Commission's annual cigarette report, 216.9 billion units were sold to retailers and wholesalers in 2018. That's the fewest amount since the commission began compiling the data back in 1963. It peaked in 1981 with 636 billion units. So 636 billion down to 216.9 billion today. Late 70s, early 80s, people were just fucking chain smoking. Smoking like champs. 
Spending on tobacco advertising also declined again in 2018, now down to $8.4 billion from $8.6 billion in 2017. But if you think this is a dying industry, don't write them off yet. One of its main competitors, e-cigarettes, are running up against federal regulators, with the FDA moving to ban all flavored e-cig products recently. That has triggered, in just the last few months, a massive decline in growth for an industry that had seen sales increasing by more than 50% month-to-month since 2018. So if there is a bump in cigarette sales, that will be reflected in next year's FTC report. Not sure how else to end this story other than maybe calling for the nationalization of a weakened tobacco industry. <laughs> well, it, People it, are going to have their vices. Might as well make sure that the stuff is pure and the workers are well paid. And that there are few people making profits to invest in new ways of developing these deadly products, which yeah. do, to be fair, give you a smooth a smooth flavor <laughs> and make you look incredibly cool. So cool. What, one thing that always gets me is that uh, all the Cato industry style dipshits who say that trying to restrict political spending is somehow an attack on the First Amendment and that people should have the uh, unalienable right to give as much money they want to politicians and political causes. And it's not corrupting. It's just your First Amendment rights. And they never seem to complain about all these advertising restrictions on tobacco companies. No. Which is very clearly more of a <laughs> of a First Amendment thing that anyway. Well, we're going to end the newscast right there. We, on, a, on a strong note, on a starting strong off note. the year on an incredibly <laughs> strong note. Um, we didn't get to a bunch of listener calls while we were gone, so we're going to play uh, two really good ones that we got on air today. Hey, Sam. So this is a Misty. I'm a mail carrier out of uh, California, and I just wanted to fill you guys in on the inside scoop on all the shit Mayor Pete's uh, time with the Institute has done to our organization uh, since the 90s at this point. A lot of the carriers that have been here a lot longer than I have have talked about um, the routes used to be four hours in the office and then four hours walking on the street. And then when they put in the automation, all of the routes became 30 minutes in the office and seven and a half hours walking on the street. Now what they're trying to do is combine routes through route inspections by finding Every 10 or 15 minutes, a route might be a little bit under eight hours and uh, just generally fuck us over with that. They just went through my office and my route is getting completely eliminated and split up into the other routes. So that means uh, all of my stability and comfort at this job has just been made much worse. When I started three years ago, I was a non-career employee before I finally got converted to career about six months ago. And during that whole time, I was working 60-hour weeks every week, sometimes 13 days on, one day off, walking every single day for eight hours, 
20 miles a day sometimes. So, yeah, I just wanted to share all the ways Mayor Pete has personally made my life miserable and uh, the lives of a lot of my coworkers. I uh, love the show. love everything you guys do. Uh, thanks. Yeah, thank you for that call. Damn, I, yeah. I think very illustrative of why people are so put off by Mayor Pete's experience at McKinsey. This is a company that tries to squeeze human beings for every last penny it can. And uh, it really brings it home to hearing you explain that. Yeah, snapshot into Mayor Pete's America right there. Yeah. We should also note Congress, of course, played a huge role in this by forcing the uh, Postal Service to fund 75 years of uh, liabilities. Yeah. uh, Ahead, before before they've even happened. Yeah, in, in, a, in a bid to boost private mail carriers like UPS and FedEx. Okay, uh, one last call to get to. Hey, Sam. Sam, uh, recently uh, you guys did a story about some kid getting appointed to the uh, federal some oversight uh, position. and uh, OIRA. It was OIRA. Yes. And uh, I thought it was interesting that you were pronouncing it uh, because that's also the name of uh, one of the two major IRA groups that you wouldn't call it. that You would just call the OIRA or the officials (laughs) uh, because they split in the 70s uh, between the provosts and the officials. But the provosts are the ones who, like most people know about because they kept on their arms campaign. But the officials are interesting uh, because they were the actual Marxists. Uh, but they uh, stopped their armed campaign against Britain pretty quickly. Uh, and there's a, a lot of Irish politics about that that I can't get into uh, because I only know a little bit about it. But uh, keep on keeping on. Uh, follow at Twink Communist on Twitter. Bye. <laughs> Once again, thanks uh, for the call. Another interesting call. That, Very interesting uh, call. I would like to know more about. I have been making a point of listening to uh, Irish history podcasts. My girlfriend and I have been listening to uh, some of them. Uh, Unfortunately, the one that we have been listening to is not something I would necessarily recommend. It's it's informative, but it's basically an academic recording his lecture. So they're they're only going to be so engaging as, uh, as audio material. Call the rant line, 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We'll play it on air. Please educate us about Irish history in an engaging and enlightening way. That'd be great. We will be back tomorrow for subscribers with the Garbage Can Show. Everyone else, we are back Monday with the newscast. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.